Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here, as always, uh, every other week with my colleague, my friend, Ronnie Kurtz, who is assistant director of marketing at Midwestern Seminary, uh, as well as a new professor. Yeah. Assistant professor of what? Christian studies. Of Christian studies. Yep. And managing editor of For the Church. How you been, man? Doing good. It feels like it's been a while since we've been here. It has been a while because we always record two, three episodes at a time, which means we can take a few weeks off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it makes me miss you in the meantime. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything going on in, in, in your life, but we have a crisis at home oh, no. right now. Uh, so a few weeks ago, like three weeks ago or so, uh, so my wife has this bearded dragon. Oh, Are you familiar my. with these things? I know it's what a bearded <laughs> dragon is. I just don't know where you're going. It's a bearded dragon. And uh, it has this little canopy, this little, uh, uh, like, hammock that's, yeah. like, in the corner of its, uh, um, I guess it's not an aquarium, but whatever, his, his cage type thing, his, his case. But there's no lid on the thing. Okay. And he would get up on the hammock and just kind of hang out. And I just, every time I'd see it, I'd think, he could so just climb out of there. And I remember saying this to my wife, and she would say, oh, he, you know, he's not going to climb out of there. He can't do that, or he wouldn't want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, all right. I mean, she. I, I don't care about this thing. She pays attention to this thing and like cuddles with this thing. Oh, so I, it's the weirdest thing in the world. She <laughs> loves the dragon. Uh, so uh, you know. Anyway, so one day uh, I don't remember where I am, but I get this text and I pull up and it's my wife and she says, "Zeus is not in his cage." That's the dragon's name is Zeus. Zeus is not in his cage. And I said, "You got to be kidding me." <laughs> He, he climbed out, apparently. So, of course, we tore the house apart, you know, looking for this thing and, yeah. and could not find it. And, um, you know, some friends said, oh, you know, we had a bearded dragon once, got out, and he turned up, you know, a couple weeks later. And I'm like, okay. So, we've just been living with this thing loose in the house. Yesterday, I was like, it's, so literally three weeks have gone by, and I, I was like, we have company coming in this weekend. I said, we have to find this thing. We've got, And it's not like... He's grown. Like, you know, when we first got this bearded dragon, he probably was about the size of the palm of your hand, maybe yeah. a little bit, maybe a little bit bigger. He's now like the size of my wife's forearm. He's like the length. If you, if, if you consider his tail, he's longer than that. He's like the size of an arm. So he's not like a little thing that you can just misplace in, in you know, like underneath uh, a what napkin or in something. The world? So yesterday, um, and, and, you know, his cage is in the basement, but he could be anywhere in the house because when we discovered... Uh, that he was missing, the door to the basement was open, so he could have climbed up the stairs. Or you know, she doesn't think that he did that. But we have torn up this basement, brother. Yesterday, like it was a major project. We pulled everything out of the furnace room, look, you know, flashlights, looking in every nook and cranny, if anywhere he could be. We can't find you him. You still haven't found <laughs> we him. Have not found him. I did not. I so thought the story was going to be resolved. No, he's like he is laying in wait somewhere, storing, getting bigger and stronger and meaner. And all I can picture is like I don't know if you've seen Alien, you know, or Aliens. I am just stunned. <laughs> Where they're right like now. Tracking, <laughs> tracking this reptilian, you know, monster around, and it's like following them, and they can't see it. That that's what I'm picturing. This thing. What in the world? He's lost in the house. I have no idea where he would be because if he, if he was upstairs, I feel like we would have already found him. Because yeah. there's not a whole lot of places to hide upstairs. Um, we we put out like you know his uh, um. His uh his heat lamps and like his yeah. basking rock to like try to attract and them. plugged it in so it's like round the clock it's got his thing and she put out a little thing of kale which is what he eats a little dish of kale right next to the basking rock 
and we leave the sun lamp on 24-7. So when we, you know, we'll just like, maybe he's got to come out because he has to be warm, you know. But he, no, he, wherever he is, he, that's where he wants to be. Or, you know, worst case, um, he's no longer with us. You know, you know what I mean? Like he's passed away somewhere. This is the first time in our pre-show banter I'm like actually speechless. <laughs> I cannot believe what you're telling me right now. I told her like if I wake up because, you know, we have company coming in and like we're going to we, – we have a bed down uh, in the basement as well. And, you know, we run out of room. So we're like we're going to have to move people around. And uh, we were thinking about our, you know, giving up our bedroom and, yeah, then, and yeah. then sleeping downstairs. And I said, if I wake up and this thing is like <laughs> on my face, I don't know. I probably will curse. I'll probably, yeah. you know, use some my wife language. hates reptiles. So she, okay. if she, if she ever tunes into this episode, she has already logged off. Yeah. So, well, well, that's what's you know so weird. If you want to get my wife going, um, ask her because she hates snakes. Yeah. She doesn't like. Yeah. She, she doesn't even like to look at snakes. If you tell her, like, what's the difference? It's just a snake with legs. She will go off on you. Okay. Like, there's totally different. To in her mind, it's totally different. So she, I mean, she carries this thing around. She she holds the thing. She feeds it. She hand feeds it. Um, yeah, we'll be watching a movie. She'll have it on her shoulder. Uh, and and I, like me and, and our daughter who's still at home, we, we won't even, like, touch it. We don't want to have anything to do with it. And so now it's worst case scenario. Well, you the, might have to do this episode alone because the, I'm just I'm not going to stop thinking about this. <laughs> the dragon is loose and it's probably eating, you know, it's surviving on on bug gut somewhere or I don't even lint I, or something. Regardless of context, the phrase Zeus is out of his cage is amazing. Yeah, Zeus is out of his cage. <laughs> and he's going to be starving. He's going to be fat, so he's going to be ravenous and probably hungry for human flesh is all I can figure. All right. Good luck with the transition. Yeah. So, speaking of things that are growing, <laughs> This is, that, that is actually that remarkable. <laughs> no, that's not the sound effect that I wanted. No, I think it was. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good uh, wow. transition. Bravo, Jared. Just Wilson. as Zeus is out of his cage and growing, what happens when your church is out of its cage <laughs> and growing? Uh, yeah, that's the uh, subject for today's episode. Oh man! Just some uh, some words of advice. Um, no, <laughs> in all in all seriousness. So, you're a pastor of a church that has grown tremendously since its planting. What six years ago? Yeah, six Seven, years ago. Yeah, six yeah. years ago. Um, you were part of a uh, pastoral team before that, or part of a church. I was a, so I, I worked for the North American Mission Board, so I was okay. paid by Nam, but I so I wasn't like a pastor, but I was a church planting intern. Was my okay, title. and that church uh, grew considerably as yeah. well. Oh yes, uh, even quicker and uh, to a more dramatic extent than Emmaus has. Okay, yeah. do you have any experience with a church that hasn't grown? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Okay, so the next episode we're about to record, which is when your church isn't growing, you're not going to have any wisdom. No, I'm for just us pointing to... <laughs> it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have all the expertise in the church that doesn't grow. Uh, oh, no, that's good. So you've got expertise here. Um, I've pastored churches that didn't grow. I've pastored churches that have. So, I, yeah, I, I think we, you know, going to have some unique uh, perspectives here. Um, but, yeah, just some good counsel and advice for ministry leaders when, man, things just seem to be taking mm-hmm. off. And the Lord is just blessing you tremendously. Uh, people are showing up. You've got uh, uh, you know people who uh, come into the Lord and, and uh, increasing baptisms, and you're running out of room. It's a great problem to have, isn't it? When yeah, you run out, absolutely. When you run out of parking spaces, I remember that uh, when when we were having to troubleshoot parking, and I just thought of all the things we could be sitting in this meeting uh, concerned about and trying to troubleshoot. Like this is the best case scenario. Absolutely. <laughs> 
where are we going to put everybody? And when we didn't have room for everybody in the sanctuary and, and we're having to, you know, troubleshoot that, um, these are good problems to have. So you and I have come up with some words of advice for those whose church uh, is growing and perhaps, you know, growing at a pretty quick pace. And we'll just sort of take turns back and forth. What's your first kind of word of counsel for those whose church is growing? Yeah, I would say uh, <clears throat> there's kind of two directions we could take this particular episode and just individual individual pieces of advice. We could kind of take it more uh, heart level in terms of like the kind of person you need to be for a growing church yeah. and what, what to watch for in your own heart, those kinds of things, which I think we will and should talk about. And then there's also kind of practical things like about the actual church that is growing that should be. So I'm going to take it the practical route first. Okay. Uh, we'll probably come back to the heart stuff as, as well. Yeah, me too. Given that it's important. But one of the things for us, and we learned this kind of the hard way with the first church plant, and it was once something we were very careful with, with the second church plant, Emmaus, which is uh, if growth is coming, I would highly recommend that you do serious work on systems. I know that's not a cool or fun thing to do, but yeah. do serious work on systems to make sure that the systems are in place where you can actually pastor a growing number of people. Yeah. Uh, having thousands of people in a church is is not an excuse to not pastor those thousands of people. We <laughs> right. still have to pastor real people with real first and last names and real problems and real victories and real marriages and real children. And so it's not okay to have—I think large churches are fine. I'm, there's nothing against large churches. Um, however, I think those large churches full of a large number of people actually need to be pastored. Yeah. And so spending a good amount of time developing uh, mature systems to help mature believers is, is, is needed. Yeah, my first—we uh, didn't actually collaborate on this beforehand, so it's interesting to see some of the overlap that we've got. I like, I like that. I think it's good confirmation or, or, or affirmation. Um, and and should be comforting for those who are listening as well that we're kind of on the on the same track here. Um, I've got scale your leadership as mm, as you grow. Yeah. Um, mm. And and be thinking proactively about that as well. When when you begin to think, uh, you know, plan for the growth in in that respect. But you you want to make sure that no one is you know slipping through the cracks. Um, and then I've got as a as a piece of that to get serious about leadership development yeah, as well. That's great because what happens when a lot of churches begin to grow um, and things become more complex, and you realize, oh, we need more help. Um, if if you're not developing leaders as you go, and you're not you know trying to figure out how to scale your leadership as you grow, uh, you'll be more tempted to have to hire from the outside. Yep, and there's yep. no you know there's no, nothing wrong with doing that. It's not a sin to hire from the outside, but it's it's better to hire from the inside to develop somebody inside who you know, has been a part of your church who, you know, um, shares the DNA of your mm -hmm. church and, and that sort of thing, you know, gets the culture of your church. Those tend to be better, um, you know, better hires, uh, more longevity involved. You know them well, and they know your culture and your community well. Um, and so if you're not doing that, then you're on your heels trying to react to all these things that are happening. And sometimes the growth is so quick, right, that um, you're just going to feel on your heels. Like mm -hmm. you couldn't anticipate this. Uh, you know, I've had friends who have been in that position. Their church is just blown up. You mm -hmm. know, the church and 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 they just thought, man, I, you know, I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't thinking it would take off like this, right? Um, and so you just need to be somewhat proactive about thinking through systems, et cetera. Uh, my next point is somewhat similar, um, and that's that um, you you should be preparing your church and yourself um, to understand that a large church 
uh, isn't the same, you know, doesn't operate the same as a small church. And that means the needs and the uh, the job descriptions likely change. Mm-hmm. So just as, you know, as an example, um, when I went to my last church, it was, um, you know, smaller than... <laughs> And uh, um, and I could be somewhat of a of a generalist. Yeah, um, I was a solo pastor. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew just biblically that I wanted to add elders. That wasn't so much about scaling for anticipating growth. That was just about wanting to follow the biblical model for church governance and church leadership. Uh, but it was good that we were already in that process because right about the time that we uh, were rounding the corner to finally establish our elders, you know, get our you know elders uh, in. Our church uh, suddenly started experiencing tremendous growth, mm-hmm. and, and so people are showing up like crazy. And it was good that we had that. But I also had to start coaching the church to um, remember that we're not that forty-person, yeah, you know, community where everybody knows everybody. And Pastor Jared is sort of the the lone carrier of the ministry, and I'm I'm serving as some kind of a generalist, as some kind of Swiss Army knife, you know, of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is. The, the lead pastor in particular or, the, or, or pastors need to become more specialists than generalists as the church grows. And sometimes this is very difficult for congregations uh, to get because um, every church likes to grow un- until it does yep. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't grow and not change. And so when things start changing, people start getting uncomfortable. Yep. But one of the changes is how the pastor relates to the congregation or his job description, uh, job capacity um, and it doesn't mean that he stops pastoring, but he likely needs to kind of pick a lane mm-hmm. and begin to kind of share and delegate more in terms of other lanes. Um, I'll let you go on this in just a, a second, but um, I would recommend uh, Tim Keller has a really helpful piece um, on um, on change dynamics. Mm. Uh, and I forget the title of it, but if you look up sort of, um, you know, growing churches, change, Tim Keller, something like that, you'll find this article that was on uh, the Redeemer site and City to City site. Where basically, he talked about different benchmarks of growth once hmm. the church hits the 200, you know, oh, yeah, I remember mark this piece, yeah. And, and, and beyond. Um, he talks about how the pastorate needs to change in each of those. And he talks about this as well. Hmm. As, as a church grows, the pastor needs to become more of a specialist than a generalist. Anything on, on that note? Sort of? Yeah, I, I just think that's really wise. And I, I cannot tell you how many times we have said as a pastoral team, uh, Someone will say, hey, why don't we do this thing anymore? Why don't you guys say that thing anymore? And yeah. it's like, actually, what we end up saying, we might not say it exactly like this, but what we end up saying is something like, that worked really well when we were 50 people, <laughs> right. you know, or yeah, like yeah. when we were a church plant. But at some point, the church plant just becomes a church, and you stop referring yourself as a church plant, and the growth necessitates change often. So for my next point, uh, I think two good questions you can ask yourself, one has to deal with the particular church and one has to deal with you as a, as a leader, is, uh, and I'll start with the one is you as a leader. And Jared, this is a question or a, a phrase I think I heard from you first. I don't know if it originated with you or not, but uh, I would ask the question, why are people coming? What is mm. the thing? If the church is growing, I think it's an okay question to ask yeah. to say, what is making them come? What is, what is propelling them to come here? And uh, I don't think we should get like too, you know, overly self-reflective and, you know, to the point of sorrow or what have you and this kind of things. However, uh, what the thing that you said that I think is really important is often what you win people with, you win them too. Yeah. And if what you are winning them with is overly programmatic or it's a self-help, uh, you're probably going to win them to that thing. 
And so, however, if, you know, if you're the, the only Bible church in town and people are coming because they are hungry for the Bible, well, I mean, praise the Lord. Like, you're winning them with the Bible and you're likely going to win them to the Bible. Yeah. And so I just think the question, why are people showing up in, in this kind of way, in this kind of number where they're growing, is a helpful question for, di- for diagnosis reasons. The second is uh, the question more, more personally is, do I have people in my life who are not impressed with the growth? <laughs> right. I think that's a really important thing to have. I don't care if I pastor a church of 100 or 10,000. My wife's just not going to be impressed. Mm-hmm. Neither it will my, a few of my close best friends who some are at my church, some are not at my church. Uh, they're just not going to be impressed regardless of whatever number I'm pastoring. And I need that in my life to make mm-hmm. sure my Talents don't take me to where, you know, my, my godliness can't keep me. I, I need to make sure there are people in my life who are not impressed with me regardless of size, who will ask the tough ministering, ministry questions, who will ask the tough sin questions, who will ask the accountability questions that I need to ask on a regular basis as a, as a Christian. Yeah, you know, it's, that's really important. And I think a big part of it is um, having people who— have their hearts and minds set on the right thing, which means that you need to have your heart and mind set on the right thing, which is to say growth is good, but it's not um, it's not the ultimate end. Our ultimate end ought to be the glory of God, yeah, right? So you know how we define success. And if you define success as faithfulness and surround yourself with people that um, remind you of that and you remind them of that, Yes. Um, then you can actually come to a place where the growth, uh, when it comes, is, is enjoyable and, um, and, and kind of, you know, the sign of fruitfulness, mm. um, but not anything like, look what we did. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you know, look, look what we did. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, uh, and I'll talk more about this in our next episode probably, um, coming from a church that couldn't grow no matter what we threw at the problem, um, that helped me a lot in going to a church where, uh, where we did see growth. Wow. Um, because I had like, I had resigned my heart in the beginning to say, is this, is this what I'm about? The place filling up? Um, because I, I recognized pretty early on as I was just really discouraged. I mean, I just think it's normal you to be sad about sad things. Um, but I just thought, okay, I cannot set my heart to how many people are here because that's just going to lead me into a kind of despair. Mm-hmm. And then when the tables were turned or when I went to a different context and I had the opposite issue, I had to remember that and say, look, I, I, you know, I resolved uh, for this not to be, you know, an idol for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, and this is my, you know, my uh, uh, last word of counsel, um, I wanted to enjoy it. And I wanted my people to enjoy yeah. it. So uh, my last my last word is enjoy it, but not too much. <laughs> enjoy it, but not too much. And what I mean, you know, by that is it's, you know, it's a good thing. Um, you know, so many people are coming because of your faithful ministry, because of the preaching of the gospel, because of uh, evangelistic uh, um, efforts. Um, yeah, because there's a, you know, you know, vibrant mission taking place. Assuming that's why they're coming, right? You, you had a good kind of precursor to this to say, ask why are people showing up? Assuming they're coming for good reasons, or, you know, most of them are. Um, you know, gosh, that's a good thing. Yes. You you would be weird if if, if you didn't want people to come to your church <laughs> and probably shouldn't be a pastor if you didn't want people to come to your church. So when the place is filling up or when there's growth, man, enjoy that yes. and 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 praise God for that. Let that be a, a you know, grounds of thankfulness and 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 gratitude, but don't tune your heart to it. Yep. Because once you do that, 
um, the scrutiny, the the you know, you begin to care too much. And as soon as you have any kind of plateau or there's a dip mm-hmm. or uh, or the pace, you know, maybe you're still growing but not at the same pace, um, th- you know, then it becomes sort of like, oh, what are we doing wrong? Yeah. How do we how do we shore this up? How do we? You, you just become you know so um, so accustomed to the growth that it becomes the expectation, and I I think it just can very easily become an idol. Oh yeah, um, yeah. If you're way. the if you're the hero for church growth, you'll likely be the villain for church decline. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, and that's what I would say. When I say like enjoy it, but not too much. I had people that were like super excited about everyone showing up, and uh, and they'd come and pat me on the back and, yeah. and everything. And I was already kind of nervous about the fact, um, you know, in our particular context, I was asking the question, why are they coming? Uh, because, you know, I was a young guy. I was an outsider. I, I, you know, I was doing a particular kind of preaching. Um, and all of that was somewhat unique for our area. So most of the pastors were older. Uh, you, you didn't hear a whole lot of expository preaching. Um, you didn't hear a whole lot of gospel-centered preaching. Um, and they were, you know, guys who'd been there a while. So I just thought maybe I'm a novelty. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to celebrate people are, are, are showing up because um, there's something unique there or something like that. Um, but I also would say, you know, to my people who uh, were really like, you know, congratulating me and, and you know, uh, gosh, don't give me too much credit because— you give me credit for the increase, you're going to give me blame for the decrease. That's right, right? exactly. And I don't want that on my back. <laughs> so let's just enjoy it and and let God determine, That's you know, how word. much and when and, right, let's let's plant water, let God give the growth uh, and and not stress out too much yep. uh, about that. So, um, yeah, gosh, I, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful thing uh, when you have this issue, I'm at a church now that has this issue, you know, um, and and how to, um, you know, how to scale um, your, your structure for it, right? I mean, you know, both of us are at churches with multiple services. Um, neither one of us particularly uh, enjoys that too much, but mm-hmm. it's just what else can you do That's given right. your restrictions? And so we're trying to think through, gosh, how do we, you know, um, between church planting and perhaps expanding our space, all these sorts of things. It's a wonderful thing yeah, that's right. to have. Um, you can be more strategic with sending and more strategic with planting, like you said, more strategic with missions. You know, so. yeah, I mean, when God entrusts you with with much, um, you need to steward it well, yeah. right? You need to spend it mm-hmm. well and and not become a hoarder. So, yeah, I think enjoying it but not too much is a— is a good word there. Anything else on? No, my last point was praise God. And I, okay. I, I think that's a good place to end it. It's just praise him for, you know, what, what he's doing and recognize that it is him who is doing it. Yeah, that's good. When your church is growing. Thank you, listener. Um, in a couple of weeks, we'll have an episode on when your church isn't growing. We hope that, that will be an encouragement to you as well. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, May Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.